1: Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, uh, we're going to talk about individuals who are being persecuted uh, because they're using the wrong pronoun. And it's one specific case uh, we're going to discuss uh, from our attorney up in Washington State uh, who, uh, involving an employee who was, in fact, fired simply because of the pronoun she decided to use um, we're going to find that very interesting. We're also going to talk about people of faith being discriminated against uh, because of their convictions and they're, de- and they're being denied unemployment benefits. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, Tell me to talk about um, these cases and other matters. Uh, the first half of the show we have with us right now uh, attorney Emily Mimna and Emily, we've got a number of things to talk to, with you about uh, before we get to the second half of the show and those other topics. So uh, welcome to the program.
2: Hi, good morning, Brad.
1: Uh, good morning. Now, Emily, you know, when we went through that uh, shutdown not that long ago from the, from the pandemic, and, and it was particularly worse, I believe, in, in blue states like California, New York, Illinois, uh, than, than red states like Texas and uh, Florida. Uh, it seems that, that some areas, even in the blue states, were more egregious, more oppressive than other uh, counties in in the same blue state like California. And uh, I understand that uh, Santa Clara County now seems to have a, a track record of church surveillance. What's going on?
2: Right. We are seeing as more information comes to light in the wake and the aftermath of the unconstitutional actions of Santa Clara County, as well as and in conjunction with the state of California. And that's not my words. Those are the words of the Supreme Court. Um, Their unconstitutional activities and restrictions, not only did they, you know, obviously flagrantly, repeatedly, Um, cause irrevocable harm, irreparable harm to their citizens, again, not my words, the finding of the Supreme Court, Um, we now found that they went to extreme lengths to enforce those unconstitutional orders, mandates, and laws. And and more information is coming to light, including um, stakeouts, extended stakeouts of specific churches, um, actual um, going onto the property and campuses of churches and monitoring Various um, religious worship services that uh, when they got the sanctions of the lower courts before, of course, we had success at the Supreme Court level. We're discovering that Santa Clara County actually purchased ex- um, extremely large amounts of cell phone data information to show, monitor and establish who was coming and going from various sites of interest. And of course, churches and specific churches were high and number one on their list of areas of interest.
1: Well, wow, that's, that's uh, so alarming. I mean, monitoring cell phones, uh, that's, that's Big Brother. That's like something you'd find from China or, or, or from Russia, but not from the United States. So, so give us a backdrop of what happened in uh, that litigation that, that's, that started and what was going on.
2: Right. So go back to, let's say, March 16, 2020, Santa Clara, uh, along with half a dozen San Francisco-area counties, Became the first in the nation. They were very proud of this to issue their own shelter-in-place orders. If we, you know, we can recall back to that time, they they were leading the nation in these lockdown orders. So they were very proud of this, and that continued. And with those shelter-in-place orders, you could only leave your home, recall, if you had a specific, um, sufficient qualifying purpose, right, to obtain food, to obtain gasoline, and if you didn't have a sufficiently important reason to leave your house, you couldn't under the local law and under state law at that point, by which I mean these orders. And so Santa Clara did not reopen churches and allow people to start going to church until much later in the year, in 2020. And when they did allow people to go to church, it was only under very specific draconian rules. You could could not have more than 100 people or 25% of the capacity of your building, whichever was less. You had to wear a mask, you had to social distance. They banned singing, right? So this is the background of of the environment okay, that we're talking about when we're talking about these enforcement mechanisms. And so not only did they issue these orders that we know now were unconstitutional, uh, they went to extreme lengths to enforce them. And there was a conflict that arose when churches said, no, we're not going to follow these rules. And and that's what teed up these two court cases that are still ongoing.
1: Yeah, I understand like you have only a max of 100 people or 25 percent capacity. Uh, I mean, it was very, very strict, Uh, and so you know, there's two lawsuits that are are still ongoing, as you're talking about. I guess one is in federal court in uh, June of 2020, a church against the county claiming restrictions violate a list of constitutional rights, and then the state court in October 2020, county voted um, the county was uh, uh, went against the church for flagrantly repeatedly violating public health orders and non-payment of fines. Um, yeah, I, I know. I know Pacific Justice Institute represented multiple churches in Santa Clara County, at, uh, all the way to the Supreme Court, didn't we?
2: That's right. So when you had one church that very publicly, okay, they weren't hiding it; they weren't trying to be sneaky. They said, "We're not going to follow these laws." PJI simultaneously stepped in and said, "We're going to represent these five churches who worked very hard to comply with these orders." with the very strategic goal of saying, look, when you comply with these orders, we can demonstrate that we are not being treated the same as other similarly situated entities, right? And we filing after filing, and we made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And we were able to show, look, Santa Clara does not have an issue right now with you going to the abortion clinic, with you going to the liquor store, with you going to the tattoo parlor. But God forbid, and by which I mean Santa Clara acting as God, saying you cannot step foot in a church without creating... This unacceptable level of risk, obviously, facially ridiculous, and yet, and yet, we had to go to the district court, we had to go to the Ninth Circuit, and we had to get extreme intervention from the Supreme Court to stop Santa Clara. So, I think the the current lawsuit and all of these facts now that are coming to light with you know this ongoing litigation shows that PJI was exactly correct. The churches that stood firm in their ground. Um, we we're, were exactly correct in saying, "Look, we know this is unconstitutional. We know this, that this county is being unreasonable, both with respect to the Constitution and their enforcement." And we're just having further and further um, paper and filings, right, coming to light, showing that PGI was correct, these churches were correct, and of course, the Supreme Court was correct in granting this emergency necessary relief.
1: Yeah, I think it was a um, it was outrageous what was taking place. As you said before, you could go out and get a tattoo. (laughs) You could go to even a strip club. I mean, they were open, no problem, but shut down the churches. As if somehow the virus was uh, more dangerous in a church than a tattoo parlor. I mean, it makes no sense. Or Home Depot, makes no sense. So uh, we we handled that case perfectly, I think. Uh, God had his hand on it as well. I have to acknowledge that because to get an emergency injunction, Emily, from the Supreme Court... Uh, that's extremely difficult. Uh, people think about, you know just getting a case before the Supreme Court, that's like less than a one percent chance of being able to do that. Uh, to get an emergency injunction, decided in a matter of days before the Supreme Court and then decided upon in, in three days. Uh, that's like one in 10,000, maybe, you, know, uh, or, or even more remote. But it was successful, and because it was successful, uh, because of that, it sent ripples. Uh, Not just to Governor Gavin Newsom of California saying stop shutting down churches and being such an oppressor of of institutions of faith, but I think it sent ripples across the country letting governors know um, the Supreme Court's not going to put up with this kind of tyranny, Uh, and I'm really glad that 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 happened. Now, uh, the the case turned out well, but once again, you point out there's still some ongoing cases and litigation, so what more have we learned about Santa Clara's actions? Uh, that actually may also be relevant to the uh, ongoing litigation that's taking place now?
2: Well, that, that's some of the things. Is, you, you know, even after the Supreme Court said, you know, we told you five times, don't make us tell you again, and yet here we are with the PJI case, um, it, it, The Santa Clara is still f- trying to defend its actions. It's still trying to make these filings, saying, look, look, the church was violating this one church, right? This defiant church wasn't following our unconstitutional orders. And, and and because PGI had that victory before the Supreme Court, specific to Santa Clara, because again, strategically, we were aware early on through these churches who reached out to us, we were aware that they were acting egregiously, even in California, they were an extreme outlier, right? An outlier among outliers. And so because there's this precedent, um, Santa Clara is in a position right now where they're trying to say that they're trying to defend their actions, which were, you know, as a matter of law, unconstitutional. And so they're trying to file all this evidence to show that the church was violating its orders. And in so doing, what they're telling us is all of the activities and all the actions and all the tax dollar money they spent literally spying, um, surveilling, staking out this church, and we're now discovering, for example, that they bought uh, th- tens of thousands of um, cell phone data information and hired Stanford professor to analyze this data specifically with respect to this one church to determine how many people were going, how many people, how many cars were in the parking lot. And, and they're they're bragging about this. They're proud of this because they're trying to point out what, something that the church never hid, which was that, you know where we're worshiping, we're singing, and we're live-streaming these events. I mean, the video footage was there. So why they spent, for example, um, over $200 an hour and 50 hours of surveillance, um, police officer surveillance just in six weeks, from November 25, 2020 to January 3, 2021, is, is baffling. And it, it's, it's simply fanatical, tyrannical, and I would say obsessive.
1: So the Santa Clara County is now on the defense, right? So Absolutely. Yeah, so they're they're now trying to defend themselves, saying, uh, yeah, those fines and all the stuff we did, uh, we were justified, but in the process of discovery and getting out the, the information, we're finding out, dang, they're much more tyrannical than we thought. I mean, I mean, really, yeah, stakeouts, monitoring, I mean, tracking cellular mo- mobility data of churchgoers, that's something you, you do when you're tracking a, a drug cartel or some kind of a organized crime. <laughs> they're monitoring people because they were going to church they're monitoring a church that was open uh, because uh, they didn't want it open and they were just openly dis- just discriminating against this church so uh, I, you know they that's outrageous the fines were high uh, but were they consistent with other penalties issued by other counties in the state of california against churches
2: uh, no, they weren't even close. Again, we're talking about an outlier among extreme outliers. And, and that's another, not only was it, um, I would say, fanatical in their attempt to persecute and prosecute non-compliant, a non-compliant church, uh, they also realized that this could be a moneymaker for them. And that's, you know, just literal dollars and cents. You can see, at least in one analysis, from March 2021, just this one county, just Santa Clara County, issued approximately $4.9 million, $4.9 million dollars. Um, in fines to nearly 400 different businesses and churches for non-compliance with their unconstitutional orders. Now compare that to the other surroundings, half dozen Bay Area counties, those counties combined, not individually, but combined uh, collected just $82,000 worth of fines. So six counties combined, $82,000. Santa Clara County alone, $4.9 million.
0: Did you know that PJI's Church Finds Its Voice initiative is a huge success in coming alongside pastors to encourage them to get all their congregants registered to vote and then to vote biblically in every election for candidates that share the Christian worldview and commit to serve their constituents with that mindset. We communicate regularly with over 3,000 pastors and we do it all free of charge. Get current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report.
1: Welcome back. Uh, Right now, as we mentioned before the break, we at Pacific Justice Institute are representing thousands and thousands across America who are uh, being fired because of their faith. And yet, there's also a considerable number who are being denied unemployment benefits. So first, they're, they're fired because of their faith. Now they're being denied unemployment benefits uh, because of their faith. To help, me talk, to help talk about that and uh, specific litigation we have ongoing on that issue, we have with us uh, none other than our attorney out of our, our Washington, one of our Washington offices, uh, Attorney Tracy Tribbett. Welcome, Tracy.
3: Hi, Brad. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, Can you share with us how PJI has helped um, people appeal their denial of benefits for unemployment after being fired because of their sincerely held religious convictions?
3: Yes, we've been able to reach out and touch many lives by getting a denial of unemployment benefits reversed. And it presents uh, a variety of issues. uh, But in Washington state in particular, there are two issues that judges usually look at one is the reason the person was fired and in the case of vaccines that has generally been for a willful violation of company policy and in that regard we have been able to get a 100 percent success rate with individuals getting their unemployment benefits so that's been a great help to many people and really um lays a great precedent in washington state for those who are fired because of their faith for not getting vaccinated One case, Brad, in particular, that is quite interesting to me, uh, in Washington, the second uh, leg of that inquiry is whether or not a person is actively looking for work, available for work, and able to work. And we had one case where the judge reversed the initial decision stating that our client could, uh, did not violate any policy, but that they could not be available, able, and actively searching for work because of the fact that they were unvaccinated. So we are appealing that to the Superior Court and are excited to see how it turns out.
1: So because they weren't vaccinated, they weren't able to, allegedly, able to seek employment somewhere else, so therefore they were disqualified for unemployment, which requires you to be To be seeking employment, Um, that's a pretty big stretch, isn't it, for a judge to declare that because someone's not vaccinated that they can't work, they can't. There's no job out there for them. Uh, That seems. I 100%
3: agree. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I, I, I'm baffled by that one. That's just that's that's that is that is uh, very disappointing to hear, but. uh, you know, I think this is the first time we've seen this. Um, uh, this, this kind of these these rules uh, applied in this manner to the unvaccinated. Uh, we're appealing this ruling, and um, and we're hopeful, of course, that uh, that it's going to prevail. But uh, you know, individuals that are being fired because of their faith. I know there are many people who are, in fact, leaving states like uh, Washington, Oregon, California, New York, uh, Illinois, where they say, you know what. I'm done. I need to get a job. And so I know, like, I know of a police officer who said, Okay, you're going to fire me because of my faith. I'll go to Florida. They've got a nice bonus mm-hmm. waiting for me, right? Texas absolutely has their arms wide open saying, Come to Texas. We appreciate people who like to work, we appreciate <laughs> people with faith and character. We like that in Texas. California, mm-hmm. Oregon, Washington, you may not like those kind of people. We love those kind of right. people. Same with Tennessee. Yes. So we see that, that happening. I think that trend is going to continue because what we see, in my opinion, Tracy, is a loud signal of bigotry and hostility to people mm-hmm. of faith. And frankly, I think a lot of these people say, you know, we don't want to live, especially raise our children, our young children in this, in this kind of an environment.
3: Absolutely, Brad. I agree.
1: Yeah. So, uh, in fact, mm-hmm. we're looking to bring on attorneys across the country. Southern California, we're looking for to bring on another attorney. So uh, I just want to say to folks out there, if you know of an attorney who's uh, interested in the work that we do, might be interested, wherever they are in the country, just, just have them contact us. Let us know, uh, because uh, we're adding to our team all the time. So if you're interested, or if you know someone who's a paralegal, perhaps, you'd like to join our team, uh, just uh, contact us, go to our website, pji.org, pji.org. Uh, Changing the subject a little bit here, um, I'd like to address another case that I think is very disturbing but becoming more common, and that is an individual who was apparently fired because they refused to use a pronoun that affirmed a lie and confusion, uh, dealing with the the same-sex, or excuse me, the the, uh, LGBTQ uh, gender identity dysphoria, gender confusion issue.
3: Yes, uh, we actually were approached by our now client who was terminated from a private counseling entity on the west side in King County and she actually Brad was not even someone who dealt directly with clients she was a parent facilitator and so oftentimes you've got children who are in distress who are having as you said gender dysphoria issues and as a sidebar I'm not sure when we got away from the clinical um, diagnosis of dysphoria and multiple personality disorders and body dysmorphia that we're seeing now we're we're titling it at this trans movement but really it's these psychological issues that undergird the issue and i'm surprised that the the psychologists across the land are so quick to uh divest themselves of all of this research on such issues and just hop on board to the trans bus if you will yeah um but you know back to our client she worked with parents there was one child who came in and had uh multiple personalities and wanted to be referred to as they them our client asked her employer if she could refer to the individual uh, both this client and any future clients or anyone else she may work with as or with their proper first name Whatever name that was, as gender neuter, a person, you know, she felt that a person could choose their name, their you know, proper name that they were called by, but she was not going to engage in lying by calling one person a they or them. And that was the particular instance here. It would have gone both ways for any kind of gender pronouns. <clears throat> and our client was terminated without even a discussion as to her request for accommodation. And so we're going to bat for her to fight on this issue where an employer should be able to make a reasonable, respectful accommodation for an individual who is saying, I can't lie and I won't be made to lie in my workplace. I will be respectful in my interactions with people, but I will not abide by a lie. And it's amazing to me that employers are so quick to fire and terminate individuals.
1: Yeah. it's. It's, um, I think it's demonic, it's illogical, it makes no sense at all. This employee, as you just mentioned, was willing to say the first name of the person, right? So
3: yes, absolutely. they're just saying,
1: look, I won't use pronouns. I'll just say their first name. And they said, no, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she wouldn't yes. use a pronoun that's affirming something that is uh, uh, d- you know, destructive, that is confusion. She's not going to affirm a confusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, a mental condition, gender identity dysphoria. She doesn't want to encourage it. You know, uh, you know young people, t- Tracy, studies show that if they're just left alone and they have gender identity dysphoria, gender confusion, if they're just left mm-hmm. alone, okay, no one affirms them and, and, and tries to fan the flames, just left alone, the overwhelming majority, I think it's over 90%, over 9 out of 10, by the time they graduate from high school will be, gone, will be finished with that confusion, will not have that confusion anymore. But oh no, our society wants to, uh, wants to encourage the confusion and actually punish people like our client, who is, as a matter of conscience, cannot lie and do something to someone that is going to affirm something, um, a condition, dysphoria, confusion, uh, that's not in their best interest. Most people continue to have that confusion it's serious. It's, it's not like they go on and yeah. live happily lives. The majority of them uh, commit suicide because of depression mm-hmm. that doesn't go away. Mental confusion that doesn't go away. Uh, by the age of 30, most are dead, uh, according okay. to one study. So uh, it's very inhumane on the employer's part. It's a violation of the employee's rights under Title VII to have, to have a reasonable accommodation of their sincerely mm-hmm. held religious beliefs, Right.
3: Absolutely. A person is entitled to an accommodation which does not pose a burden to the employer, cost more than a de minimis amount, or is otherwise reasonable. And again, if we take, you know, what is a reasonable person standard? Do we even have one anymore? When I am asking to call a person by their first name, and I can think of no instance, Brad, where I couldn't say um, a person's proper name rather than the third person, she, them, he, they or anything of that sort. There's no instance where you couldn't say a person's proper name rather than a pronoun. And so that is a respectful request. It ought to have been um, accommodated by the employer. And you see just this complete disengagement, the cancel culture that wants to distance themselves from anything that would give the appearance of not being acceptive of all mental illness, which ironically, this is a mental illness uh, facility
1: that helps to counsel people. Uh, one final point, Tracy, is what's gone on with Hershey. Uh, they've come out and they've been advertising and effectively promoting transgenderism with their advertising, mm-hmm. the Hershey, C-H-S-H-E. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I find that so abhorrent. I'm encouraging people to boycott Hershey from this point on they're not even a healthy kind of chocolate as far as I've from what I've heard. So I know anyway.
3: high fructose corn syrup chocolate. Don't yeah. eat
1: it, folks. Don't it's eat it folks. And they're supporting... And,
3: i uh, sorry, I just wanted to say as an alternative, if any of you are familiar with the company Jeremy's Razors, he has also come out with a quite funny ad campaign, which I believe Ben Shapiro is also involved in, right. uh, for a different kind of chocolate, where right. I think it's she, her, and
1: he... Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a, well, we'll leave on that note, but thank you very much, Tracy. And let's, uh, let's stand up for, for righteousness and boycott
0: Hershey's. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at pji.org. BJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just
1: remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight
0: for your freedoms.